Well, it's another podcast. Gonna be picking it out. It's just another podcast. Gonna be picking it out. Hey. Got old Billy E back in the house. Hey, and we're gonna be picking it out. Hey. <laughs> uh, well, hey, y'all. Thank, hey, y'all. Hey, hey. Thank y'all for tuning in once again. Uh, let me set this guitar down. I do that every time. I don't. I got to figure out a better way to do that. My name is Andrew Pope, and you're tuned in, whether you're watching or listening to Picking It Out. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Well, we had we had Billy Earhart on here um, a few weeks ago couple of months ago something like that and we had such a response to this that i had to have him back uh because people wanted to hear more of the hank jr years the hank jr stuff so old billy e was kind enough to oblige us with uh that request and um i mean i guess it's like you don't really hear from that crew i mean y'all and the crew and everything from them them real crazy years with hank jr and the bama band you know the double eagle tour you know the budweiser rock and country tour in the early 90s late 80s you don't really hear from a lot of people that was there uh a lot so I guess people just have a real interest in that. And, of course, I'm a Hank Jr. fanatic. Anybody that knows me knows that. I know you know that about me. Uh, so uh, we appreciate you appreciate you coming back on. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we had some crazy years, that's for sure. I was there from 85 to, to uh, 2021. I mean, uh, 20, uh, Oh, you still there. I was about to say, <laughs> you've been holding out on I'm still here. Yeah. That's, that's this year. Isn't it? Yeah, uh, I think, uh, uh, yeah. 85 to, uh, 2006, uh, 21 years. So I got a nice, good, uh, taste of it. You got a little nice little taste of a dose of bocephus i guess oh yeah uh, yeah we always had fun he likes to have fun and laugh and oh yeah have some fun you remember the first show in 85 you did with him uh yeah yeah it was in august the 6th of 85 uh uh my friend Dixie Hatfield had been playing piano with uh, Hank Jr. for a few years. Um, 
and uh, Hank had to let him go. He was getting a little bit too wild. I think he shot out a TV out of a motel room. Oh, is that all? Uh, <laughs> had a little bit too much of that uh, uh, that brown wine will put the mojo on you if you ain't uh, too careful of the uh, Jim Beam. Yeah, especially when you got all you want at backstage. Cause it, yeah, yeah. The, the, Anyhow, they uh, they flew me up. Uh, Bill Marshall, the drummer was a friend and Ray Barrickman, the bass player were, uh, from Memphis and they knew me and Ray, Ray more than Bill actually. But, uh, they called me and I flew up to, uh, it was, uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and uh, had a day off, and I got to listen to a bunch of live show tapes, uh, cassettes that they had taped off the board. Bill Marshall had uh, he had three or four different shows with him, and. Uh, you know, we just sat on the bus listening to him, and he was kind of explaining stuff how the show would go. He was helping; he was real helpful. Him and him and uh, uh, and Ray and and uh, it was uh, Merle Kilgore's birthday mm. that night of uh, my first show. Oh wow! And, uh, uh, they had a nice little party for Merle up in, uh, the suite. Uh, I had a few drinks, you know, it wasn't too, wasn't too wild and woolly, but, uh, it was a nice introduction for me. Everybody was real nice to me and the guys, uh, definitely gonna miss Dixie Hatfield. He was he was so close to all of them as a friend. But uh I had all worked out good, you know. Have you seen the uh well I think this is nineteen eighty four, I think. But it was a I think it was at Red Rocks. And it was like a show with a bunch of different artists on there, and Hank is headlining, and it's called, uh, uh, well, I done forgot now, something Opry. And it's got Hank at the end, and he takes, takes off his shirt, and he's playing collage, and he's got that big, that big boom, 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 whatever that drum is, like a conga or yeah, something. Yeah, he had like a conga or something he would play yeah. sometimes at the first of it. 
and he threw them damn sticks in the mountains because it didn't have a backdrop behind the stage. Rocky Mountain Opry. That's what it was. It just hit me. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that. Uh, I wonder if that's Dixie doing that little funky chicken dance because there's a guy that comes out there on stage and does the funky that was, chicken. That was him. Okay. That's what I thought. That was before you were there, probably. I think it was 84. Yeah. Yeah, that was the year before I got there. But you probably experienced a lot of that same <laughs> thing. That was probably a pretty common. Hank, what what got him going on stage? Just when it sounded good or when it when the amps wasn't feeding back or strings weren't breaking on guitar or the crowd or? It was usually always real, real good, and he was usually always in a real pretty good mood, you know. Um, only just a handful of times was it uh, sometimes get in a funny mood. You know, it may have been uh, college football. A lot of times he used to like to do a little uh, – about 15 or 20 football college games and might gamble on, uh, you know, a hundred bucks a piece on each of these games or something. Yeah. If he lost most of them, he wouldn't be in a good mood on <laughs> Saturday night, but usually he was in a good mood, you know, yeah. and it didn't happen too often handful of times you know maybe a little bit too much to drink but yeah not nearly what people think you know i mean no i i get it all the time that oh i was at that hank show he was drunk man yeah and, and i know for a fact he wasn't you know yeah they think if he's drinking out of a a red uh plastic cup that it's it's full of liquor every time and that's not true yeah but i mean he likes to drink but not that much yeah not a few little old drinks is about all he drinks you know yeah occasionally it has gone over the, the limit but a few times just a few well i've i asked that about what gets him going because as a Hank aficionado or whatever the hell that word is, like myself, uh, I have seen so many shows and listened because I've got a lot of recordings and stuff from back in y'all's days and before that even. And you'll notice some nights, man, he he's uh. He just wants to keep on going and going and going. And some nights he just kind of, you know, goes through the songs and you're like, you're ready to go get All out right. of there. But now a lot of that is the crowd. Yeah. If they're standing up and they're going wild, raising hell. it really makes him want to go and do it. Yeah. It inspires him to want to play harder and show out more. A lot of that was the uh, the audience and uh, just the whole thing. If it was outside and the weather was real nice or inside and, you know, 
nice and cool in there. If the crowd was going berserk, he would uh, he would get up there and match them. You know, he would he would put out show out a little bit more and seem to get in it more. Yeah, some nights he'd be like, "I'm ready to go to the house." I mean, he still would do a good show, but oh yeah, it may not be quite as intense or or him having quite as much fun or as wild. I've seen him a little more wild, but he would, you know, pull his shirt off and strut around, and he's dancing and having a ball, and yeah, but. Uh, yeah, it was always fun, and it was a hell of an adventure. Oh, yeah, I can't imagine. And there was a time there where he – my mama told me this because she went to see y'all uh, about 86 or 87, I think, in Birmingham at the Birmingham Jefferson Civic Center. She told yeah. me that on the stage he had ever – instrument just lined up on stage and he would go by he would play each one i knew i know he played different instruments but i never known him to have that lineup like that is was that you remember that no maybe she was trying to describe him going from one instrument to the other and they were all lined up the guys were just lined up right there yeah I mean, he would go up, uh, try to play Cowboy Steel just a little bit, and he really couldn't play the steel. And Cowboy had that weird effect on there during that time, too. It was like a chorus or something. Like a, I don't know what it was. I'd never heard a steel like what he did. Uh, And you got to be able to play it or it sounds worse. It sounds bad. Yeah, he's not really a steel player, but I mean, he he could yeah hit a few little old fights yeah, and um, then he'd go over to the bass yeah he'd get up there on the drums he'd come to the piano he'd already been playing guitar and uh he did that a few times not so much. Uh, every instrument, but occasionally he he would do that. Handful of times he he would go across, try to do a little bit of everything. Um, uh, I can't even remember what song we were playing when he would do that. He would come over to the piano a lot, and. Uh, just hang out up there some, and then sometimes he would try to tinkle a little bit while I was playing, but yeah, not too much because they had, they had me up on a riser, and he'd have to jump up there. He used to get up there with, uh, he had like a uh, 30-aught-6 mm-hmm. or uh, some kind of rifle. I don't know if it was but it had blanks in it mm-hmm. and um, he would, he would even climb up on top the piano and fire off his, uh, this rifle and uh, 
man, that was loud. I bet. A couple of times he f- accidentally fired it off right by my head. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what, uh, whew, luck to knock me down. But, um, <laughs> boy, couldn't get away with that now, could you? Things a little different now. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit scary jump up there and he might get shot himself, you know. Yeah. Half the audience are carrying. Oh. But, uh. So, in 85 there, was it pretty steady at that point? Just all time? 300 something a year? Or? No, we were doing about, uh. About 150 shows a year. It wasn't just steadily gone on the road. It was mainly, uh, uh, we'd go out Wednesday or Thursday and then usually come back on a Sunday. Occasionally we'd stay out for two or three weeks and then come home and, you know, have a few days off and then go back at it again. And it just mainly it was uh, three or four days a week. And then you'd have three or four days off and home. So everybody would drive their car up to Nashville and, uh, and just park it, get on the tour bus. And then bus comes back. To, uh, we used to meet at Shoney's right there on DeMombrian and, uh, right by the interstate in mm-hmm. Nashville downtown. Yeah. And we had several places. We made out in Franklin out there at a Kroger. And, and uh, it was a place where about, you know, we could leave about eight or 10 cars because everybody would. Yeah. Was living different places. And so I was in Memphis. Then three of us would come up every, no, we had four, Jerry McKinney on sax, Bill Marshall on drums, Ray was in Memphis then, and me. And uh, we'd all ride together a lot, take turns driving. How long did Jerry play with y'all? He was there, uh, I think, I think he got there about 83, 84, somewhere in there. He had been playing with Elvin Bishop mm. for a long time in California. He's a Memphis guy and used to play with Larry Raspberry and the High Steppers before that. That's where Bill Marshall started, uh, or he played with, with Larry, too. Uh, then Jerry left in uh, 89. So I know he did about uh, five or six years. Well, he left right at the peak of it. Yeah. Yeah, he had some issues, too. Mm. He died uh, about uh, ten years later. Mm. Great guy. Hell of a sax player. Oh, yeah. I, I get at uh, 
video that they did on Hank and well y'all were in it too and that at that show at the Omni um eighty I don't know, Born a Boogie had come out. Cause he y'all did Buck Naked and Young Country, all that stuff that was on Born a Boogie on there. Um Full Access, I think's what it would call. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jerry was all over that. And he was. Yeah, he uh, he did a great solo, and he also played uh, the nice solo on uh, Ain't Misbehaving on the record and when we did it live. Oh, yeah. Then he'd play uh, – that was a, a alto sax. It looked like a clarinet, just mm-hmm. a straight kind, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he'd play tenor sax on a bunch of stuff, too, uh, like uh, – like uh, King Curtis or uh, some kind of real soulful R and B sax guy, he could he could just eat that up. Junior Walker, I mean he 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 could play all that stuff. And uh, yeah, we miss Jerry. He when he left, we got uh, uh, we got Dominic Conjardo had come right before Jerry left. Then Dominic stayed. Then we got Mike Murphy on sax from Louisville, Kentucky. He he's a great uh, musician too and a good friend. He played with uh, NRBQ and uh, Tim Crackle Orchestra and had his own little thing and his own records. Really a, a great guy up there and. Uh, I believe he's over in Indiana now, but it's right close to Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And then we got uh, John Heinrich, who also played uh, sax and steel, took uh, uh, Cowboy's place when he left to play with Kenny Chesney. Yeah. Then, uh, let's see, we got uh, Mike Daly on steel. Yeah. And then we got uh, Jimmy Hall on sax. Wet Willie. Wet Willie. Jimmy been there since 1990, so. He's kind of the band leader now, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's been there longer than anybody. And he also plays with Jeff Beck. And uh, his band uh, and uh, Jimmy's old band, Wet Willie. Yeah. He got me to do two or three Wet Willie shows. That was a, a lot of fun. I always love their records. Keep on yeah, smiling. Yeah. Keep on smiling. That's what, a bunch of and good. Jimmy, he sings the hell out of that too, don't he? He sings the hell out of everything he sings. Yes, sir. Yeah, his solo records are real good, too. Mm. Uh, he's getting ready to do something over there at uh, Wishbone. They're doing a Wilson Pickett tribute album, and he's going to be on it. Mm, Buddy, be uh, new man Mark Massey, gonna, he's supposed to do one. There's, they got uh, several people going to pick one, Travis. I mean, uh, 
Travis Womack on it. Uh, they're going to pick a uh, Wilson Pickett song. It's a tribute to Wilson Pickett. They're they're cutting over there right now. Oh, man. That'd be good. I didn't know nothing about that. I'd have jumped in. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think uh, Wilson's daughter, Veda, is going to sing one, too. She's, she's a singer. And Christine Ullman from New York. He's down there right now, I think, doing something around the handy handy week over there, and they play every day for about seven or eight days. But uh, my buddies at Decoys used to be with the amazing rhythm aces with us, guitar player and the drummer. They're doing a bunch of it. Well, now uh... – I, I I know that you know everybody from the NFL world to rock and roll to uh, I mean everybody you can think of MLB baseball you know was buddies with Hank or at least acquaintances or something along them lines somewhere. But what was the most you know, what was the most, I guess, surprising person that kind of hung around, in, in your opinion, that you just wouldn't think would be, you know, coming around, wanting to hang out and stuff with y'all, out of all the people? Oh, we had a lot of sports guys. Back when Hank was real popular in uh, uh, mid-80s up through the mid-90s right in there, he uh, had the Van Halen people was kind of uh, surprising. They were real, real nice to us and had us come to a show in Vegas and then they did the video. Uh, my name is Bo Safus, and mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, Michael Anthony and Alex, the drummer, came to a couple of other shows and came to a show in Vegas and hung out. They were there the night uh, Hank. It was my one year anniversary. They gave me my Ruger Eagle. Mm. They were sitting right there in the room when they when he gave it to me, put it on me. But still got it. Uh, a friend of mine's got it now, but, uh, it it was just surprising that, uh, that they would be, they, they were really liked Hank, you know, they really liked something he, he did, uh, and they liked to, to drink and party and stuff. I think they, they would get in Bo Cephas mode, you know? Yeah. And, uh. But uh, a lot of the sports guys were uh, Derek Thomas, a football player, uh, yeah, a bunch of the Kansas City Chief guys. Uh, fun hanging with them. A lot of baseball players would come out too. Uh, big Cecil Fielder came. Big home run hitter back in those days, and uh, uh, 
I got to hang with uh, Goose Gossage came. We got hammered, man. He came. It was after uh, he left New York and got traded to uh, Chicago Cubs. <laughs> and uh, he came to a show we did in Chicago. Uh, that was fun. One thing that was uh, shocking for me, we played uh, Dallas one time. We played Dallas every year, but uh, Mickey Mantle's son, Danny Mantle, came and hung out, and he kind of helped me get started down the right road to not drinking. Really? He had just he had just gotten sober and was t- was telling me about it. He said, "Billy, you might you might think about that sometime if you ever want to quit." They they sure helped me, and uh, wow, and I appreciate that. The guys in Little Feet had told me some things too, and uh, uh, a couple other people, Leroy Parnell, helped me out too, but. Uh, been 28 years without a drink, but, but Danny Mantle was kind of got the ball rolling, uh, in Dallas. He, uh, our old, uh, Hank Jr.'s, uh, old dear friend, Keith Kidd, who was our bus driver and me and Danny, uh, Danny picked us up at the motel. He called and said, man, I'm going to hook up with you guys. Uh, this afternoon, if I can, he said, dad's at a golf tournament in Oklahoma, but if you want, I'll come pick you up and you can come over here and we'll hang out at his house and you can check out his trophy room. Huh. Okay. So, <laughs> so we got to go to Mickey Mantle's house, man. And he had a whole room that, uh, me and Keith went and Keith videoed it. He's got he's got a video recording of it. I wish I had a copy of it. It's cool. Uh, he actually bought from the company that makes the uniforms for the Yankees. He got them to give him uh, Yankee pinstripe material to cover the walls of a room. Wow. Uh, halfway. It was like, uh, half of it was like some kind of real nice paneling. Yeah. And the other half was Yankee pinstripes all the way around the whole four walls. And then on both ends, they had, uh, trophy cases with all kind of special balls and gloves and and, uh, you know, all kind of different awards he had gotten. And then they had about, uh, I'm going to say 50 to 75 magazine covers that he was on the cover of the magazine and they were framed on one wall. It was just like, you know, like Life magazine and Time mm. magazine. Was a, they were real magazines, you know. Yeah. With Mickey Mantle's picture on the front, a painting or something. It was just beautiful. I mean, it was really nice. 
that was a real treat. That was kind of a special thing. You wouldn't have thought. Yeah. That and that might not mean much to anybody, but I'm a baseball fanatic. I have been since '59. I love baseball and keep up with it. And I used to collect cards a lot. I, I don't anymore. I've got a ton of them. I got a, a chest of drawer full of them, but mm. I don't uh, really actively yeah. hunt them down anymore. I, it's so expensive to get the get the good stuff, but. That's a but big that deal. Was a, that was a cool little treat. That's a big deal. I mean, it, it was it just y'all two that went over? Yeah, just me and Keith went over there. Uh, didn't nobody else really care about baseball. Me and Keith would go to some ball games every now and then. We went to one in in uh, uh, Baltimore one time, and uh, uh. Oakland, maybe uh, L.A. or uh, we went to several ball games at real major league stadiums, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was fun for me, you know. Besides uh, getting the you know on tour with Hank and yeah, you know, they're feeding you first class motels and mm-hmm. nice tour buses and making good dough and then you get this little extra side treat it's like can't get no better than this for me yeah uh on them on them two and three in a row show runs did hank ever bus it with y'all or did he fly in everywhere at that time in the mid 80s uh Every now and then he would ride the bus, not too much because he had his own jet. He had a citation too, like a, a multi-million dollar jet and, and a couple of pilots on salary, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and that thing would go, I don't know, six or 700 miles an hour. I mean, he could be home in an hour after the show just, yeah. Unless he was on the, on the West Coast, he, he would spend the night. If we were out there for two or three weeks, and or sometimes he would fly to Montana. He had a house there too, you know. Yeah. But, uh, he ever on your days off and them runs? Did he ever take y'all anywhere and or just hang out or anything like that? Um. Uh, yeah, a couple of times. Uh, one time we had a day off in uh, in Montana. We were up there staying. He he had about uh, I don't know about ten ranches he bought. He I don't know he had about I want to say fifteen or twenty thousand acres. Mm. He had bought these huge ranches, and a lot of them connected to where he, he, you know, he could ride for miles and miles, and it'd still all be his. Uh, we went up there and stayed, spent the night in one of his places, 
And then um, he took us riding around just looking at uh, at some cows up there that uh, a guy was taking care of. And we were just looking at the looking at the landscape and at the cows and stuff. And I was sitting in the right behind him in the back seat. And I said, damn, what is that? A big ass beaver. I was on the side of the road. We were, and he, he looked over there and he said, that ain't no beaver. He stopped and had a, he had a gun in the car. And, um, he got out and, uh, he shot it and it was, uh, it looked like a beaver, but it was a, uh, I mean, like a real long claws. Uh, uh, my mind's going blank. It's, uh, he said, I got. I, I've got to kill them because they dig holes, and the cow's legs will fall down in those holes. My mind went blank. Uh, mine is too. <laughs> but it it looked kind of like uh, kind of like a groundhog, but uh, they're vicious. Yeah, I get to the get to the punchline and forgot the animal, but. <laughs> uh, it was uh it was cool uh and uh and we do we do a few little old things here and there he'd ride the bus and we'd play some tunes and they ever just play pick his guitar up and play on the bus or he listening to music or y'all i I've seen him do that a few times at his house, you know, yeah, but uh Yeah, he he usually flew in a jet. A uh, few times he he would ride the bus, but you remember Terry Bradshaw ever coming around? I don't remember Terry coming around. Now he could have been at one of those Monday night football things. Yeah, but I don't think so. What about old Kenny uh-huh. Stapler. Kenny Stabler, now he 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 came uh, before I was in the band. He used to come hang out with Hank in Panama City. Hank had a place down there in Panama City that then they told me about this. Yeah, and I knew Kenny from back in the seventies uh, with Amazing Rhythm Aces, and we were on tour with Jimmy Buffett, and he he was friends with. Uh, Buffett's harmonica player, and he was friends with Jimmy. Uh, Fingers Taylor and uh, Kenny Stabler both came to my room about midnight. Ooh, it was daylight before they left, too. I'm going to tell you. The, tore it up. the snake liked the drink. Oh, man. We were drinking and tooting and going wild. I mean, it was, uh, mm. it was, um, always liked him. 
It hurt. It hurt bad. <laughs> it hurt. <laughs> Hell, when you're doing it that much, how do you, how can you tell? <laughs> it was back in them days when there was just so much blow everywhere. It was just like, uh, you know, yeah, cocaine everywhere. Anyway, don't do that no more. Yeah, that's that's a good but thing. That night, uh, woo. <laughs> So, so Stabler was all in that night, huh? Yeah, he was all in a lot of times. I hear, you know, yeah. he liked to party and. Oh yeah. What about Joe Namath, he ever come around? No, I never did see Joe Namath. Uh, quite a few. Uh, Musicians would want to come hang out with Hank too. Besides the sports guys, uh, Sammy Hagar, he came and hung a couple of times. So uh, he when he was in Van Halen by himself, uh, and David Lee Roth came. Yeah, he when he wasn't in Van Halen, he he still I guess he heard we were hanging with Sammy. He had to come too, but. <laughs> Uh, Dicky Betts. Yeah, Dicky, Dicky. We got to back up Dicky one time in Florida. He opened for Hank, and his band couldn't make it. He asked uh, uh, if if the Bama band could back him up, and sure enough, we did. Did a little forty-five minute set before Hank Junior played, and it was fun. We didn't rehearse or do anything. We just did it cold, and everybody kind of studied up on it a little bit. We kind of knew he was what he was going to do. Yeah, kind of. We wasn't positive, but we knew he was going to do certain ones. You know, his hits, a few Almond Brothers things that he wanted to play. Yeah. Um. When he got the Monday night football thing, y'all were in the very first video for that, wasn't you? Yeah. Yeah, we did the first two of them, actually. Yeah. Where were them filmed at? Uh, The first one was in Nashville. Uh, Second one was in Nashville, too, at the Coliseum. We recorded that in Nashville, and then they they shot footage at a uh, I don't know whose house it was, but we had the bus pulled up, and it showed everybody running from the bus going into the front door of this place, mm-hmm. and then it showed us uh, up inside of the house. I think. Uh, watching a TV like we were watching a football game or something, partying. They showed a few clips of that. Uh, they shot footage on the bus. They shot, they shot my hands doing the intro. Mm-hmm. A few little old things on there. It was, it was nice. 
oh. big audience right there when you get into play for 15 or 20 million. Yeah, every week. Every week there for like 14 shows or something. Yeah. Um, nice to get them uh, musicians union. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you for the union for looking apps. So, you know, if they didn't have that, they wouldn't be paying you absolutely nothing. I bet that, yeah, I bet that was nice back then with that. Oh, um, yeah. The uh, Reality Friends coming over tonight video, was that before you joined? Yes, it was. That was uh, 84, I think, 83, 84. Okay. I was going to ask you who come up with that piano riff, if you knew. Johnny Jarvis. Okay. He just come up Johnny with Jarvis. it? He played on the actual record, the, the original record. John Jarvis, great piano player. Nashville guy. Done a lot of sessions. Uh, Good songwriter too. He wrote uh, some things with Vince Gill and Song of the Year one year, I think. Hell of a piano player. Yeah, he came down and did a session with the Bama Band with Animals' uh, ex-wife. We cut a little record on her and. Uh, and she got him. I played organ. He played piano on a few things. Pretty nice. Mm. Great player. Then I got to do a, a show. It was a TV show Hank did at the Wild Horse. And uh, I played uh, organ and Johnny played piano. Uh, the Young Country video. Where was that? filmed inside that cabin part where everybody's in the cabin toward the end of it. And them two old guys are playing chess or checkers. Or yeah, that's uh, that's Booker No. He was Jim Bean's great-grandson. I knew he had to be somebody. Yeah, the big, the big guy. Ball-headed. That ain't country. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that. Uh, he was the master distiller at Jim Bean. He was Jim Beam's grandson. That's, I mean, uh, wouldn't have had no way of knowing that. Yeah. What about that other little guy, little Don Knox looking? He 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 could do that backwards talking stuff. I'm not sure who. I can't remember his name. He says something you can't understand what the hell he says. He's he's yeah. He's speaking uh, in. Some kind of crazy, not yeah. pig Latin, but it's something kind of like that where you can't understand what the hell he's saying. But yeah, they we did that. Uh, it was a uh, it was a simulated cabin at a, a studio, uh, a TV studio there. I believe it's the same place where we did Hee Haw, maybe Opryland TV. Yeah, studios they got back in there, uh, back behind the new Opry somewhere up in there. They've got they built this set 
that looked like a cabin and they were sitting there. The TV, we, we went through that TV and came out. Yeah. Then they did some kind of trick photography where they were watching. Yeah. And then it, it started off with a singer. He goes, that ain't country. Yeah. That was, uh, uh, that was a uh, Nashville DJ. Oh, kind of acting like Hank or something. Yeah, uh, playing out of tune a little bit. And something. yeah, ain't no more good old country music. Something. He right. said. Yeah, that's a good video. Yeah, there's a lot of people in that thing. Oh. Les Paul is in that video. Yeah. Just for a split second, it's uh, Hank, Les Paul, and uh, uh, Hank Third, Shelton, right there. Yeah, they're outside or something, ain't they? Yeah, jackets on or something. He was in town, and they they got him. They said, "Can we bring Les Paul over there?" And uh, said, "Hell yeah, bring him on down." So. It's kind of cool to be in a video with Les Paul, but who was that guy with the rebel flag Elvis shirt toward the end of it? Yelling like hell. Uh, wasn't that, uh, kind of long hair, black hair. Wasn't that, uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's rusty, rusty golden. Oh, okay. Hell, I didn't know that. Yeah, him and his uh, Rusty and Chris were both in that video. The the two brothers, Chris Golden. He's he's he does a bunch of gospel stuff now. Yeah, and uh, Rusty does piano and sings. He's got a couple of solo things. <laughs> That's a fun video. I still like going back and watching it. You notice there's a clip of the, there's a, a one short picture of them and, and william lee had a tent uh not a tent a tp tp it scroll yeah, it goes there, down there. like that real fast the camera he's got a real tp really at one of his places somewhere and they're they're right there by it he's uh, uh they we weren't there when they 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 went on the location to shoot that i guess yeah. i didn't see that going down but yeah. Then they came over there to the studio. Artemis Pyle was down there hanging with us too. Yeah. He, uh, Skinner's drummer, and he had left Skinner and went to Israel for a couple of years, and had come back. And uh, ah, that was a bunch of people in that video. Well, man. Gary Rossington and Johnny Van Zandt is in there too, I think. I think they're both. I think so there. yeah, some other Leonard Skinner people and Vince Gill and mm-hmm. Ricky Van Shelton, Waylon, yeah, Manny yeah. Pearl. Yeah. They were down there, yeah. Uh, Georgia satellites. It looked like they took the footage on the back of the truck, and they just took that footage. I don't know how they got away with that. But. They had to shoot that again. That was. They, 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 they did that somewhere, wherever they did their, uh, keep oh, your hands to yourself. Yeah. Hell, it was just like the video. Yeah. Oh, uh, William Lee Golan's an interesting character. I like him. Of course, he's from Alabama, Bruton, Alabama. 
Yeah. Oh. Uh, he, yeah, the Bama Band played down at Bruton down there for the uh, Boo Weekly Golf Tournament down there. It's right down there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My buddy Larry the Cable Guy's done that a few couple times. Yeah, we did it with him. Yeah, he was down there one night we, uh, or two nights. Was in did a golf tournament too. But he, he hung out. At, it was a big tent. They put up like a gospel tent. Yeah. And they had a big auction for all kinds of uh, rifles and guns and hunting equipment and uh, golf equipment and liquor and wine. And they had some high-dollar items that uh, special people that had been invited, uh, they must have been rich, were bidding on, and it all went to the – Boo Weekly, uh, helping out kids charity. You know, it was a yeah. benefit. Fortunately, they paid us real, real good to do it. I wish we could do that again, but uh, we did it three or four years. Oh, but, what was the craziest thing that ever happened on stage during them years? Our question right there. <laughs> uh, probably the craziest, just the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about crazy was uh, the Kansas City show. Yeah. Uh, the Kansas City show and then had a Bat Rouge show that was a close second. Uh, now, and both of them were about eighteen minutes long total. This was ninety ninety one time frame. That was ninety three. Ninety three. That's later than I thought it was. There's a video on Nashville now with Ralph Emery via satellite with Hank Williams Jr. Uh, offering an apology, saying that his that was Baton Rouge, yeah, Baton Rouge, and then the camera followed him all the way up on stage. He was he was making the show up for free, basically. Yeah, yeah. He uh, we went back and and did another show for him, and then we did the same thing in Kansas City too. They gave back all the money on that. You know, that was about fifteen thousand of them out there. The the crazy the, the crazy part of it was the was the scariest thing is when when he kind of staggered off the stage and the band is just up there and we don't know what to do yeah then the groan that came from fifteen thousand people it's like oh. <laughs> this is just horrendously scary like a monster oh, they, they realized that that was that was over and that's all they're getting 15 18 minutes and it's over that it was like they're ready to kill us yeah people were 
chunking handfuls of change at the stage. Stuff was whizzing by. We had to run to get off the stage. Mm. And then they circle the bus mm. and start rocking it. I was thinking they're going to flip this damn thing over and then kill us and eat us. <laughs> what a story that would be. Food poisoning. Uh, you know, now for people that don't know, I didn't know about the Baton Rouge one until you told me one day. But the the Kansas City one, that's that's pretty public information. You know, there ain't no cat being let out of the bag there. He basically, he had a few to drink. He was hanging out with Derek Thomas of the Chiefs, right? There was three or four Chiefs. They all went out to dinner. Yeah. Before the show, Mary Jane, Hank's wife, and and, and they – they uh, they were drinking wine and champagne, and they'd already had a few beers. And then they they were going to eat. Then they started drinking shots mm. and on uh, empty stomach. Hank's just not a real big drinker. Yeah, I mean, you know, five or six. And he's 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 he yeah tore up, you know. And people, but I don't know how many, I wasn't there. I I don't know how many they drank because we were at the show waiting on him. They pull up, and when he got out of the limo, it's like, oh no! Mm. I can you imagine know, one pants leg stuck down in his boot, the other one <laughs> out. You know, <laughs> his hat sideways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's got this look like uh, he don't know where he's at, you know. Oh man, it was it's like oh no. And we told uh, uh, Kenny Vaughn and Patty Loveless, and them were opening for us. We said, <laughs> "Stick around for this. You ain't going to believe this. Enjoy the show." <laughs> and they were on the side of the stage when it went all went down and I looked over there I was playing the piano looked over there and it was right in the middle of something that was just nasty cussing and raising hell yeah I look over there and every one of them are <laughs> they just got their mouth wide open. They can't believe it. You know, after all the bullshit that Merle Kilgore, see what I mean? <laughs> but after all the bullshit Merle Kilgore put up with from him, I can imagine Merle's face and what the hell he was thinking. I can't believe he let him go out there. You, you can't keep him from I mean who I mean you want you wish somebody could say man maybe you shouldn't go on tonight you know let's just go ahead and just go on back home yeah that ain't gonna work you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't have run him off with a shitty mop you know he was ready to go yeah 
But old Merle, uh, Merle was the one probably that could say, hey, I mean, come here. I'm brother. not sure Merle was there. Really? I don't think he was at that show. Well, holy shit. I didn't know that. I figured he was right there with him. Mm. Yeah, it was him and Mary. Oh. I bet they shoved his ass in that limo as faster than make your head spin after that. Get him the hell out of here. Get him on a helicopter. Get him on a jet. Get him out of the Kansas City right now. Mm. Didn't Budweiser drop him? Yeah. After that, they Budweiser dropped him right after that, and we had already shot a fax uh, me a beer video that they were going to do a national promo on. Spent all day, supposedly uh, spent a lot of money doing this thing. They shot a bunch. I mean, we they shot a bunch of different footage for fax me a beer was going to be a big Budweiser promotion and never run it. I don't think. Well, there is a, there is a commercial of that. There's one and it's on YouTube. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it fax me a bud. Does it show the band? Does it, does it show the Bama band in it too? I can't remember. It may just be Hank, but he had that Maverick thing on, that get-up, that Maverick black deal that he wore on Maverick album cover, He, he and them lighter glasses where you can kind of see through them. He had that, yeah. M, that going on. And then he did a Hardee's commercial, too, during that time. Hardee's. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> are you ready for some real food hardies <laughs> and then they yeah, just show heard that god we heard that you give him a bunch of shit about that i would have uh no just people just joking with us what what do y'all got for catering tonight hardies <laughs> yeah i bet that was the running thing for a couple of years after that course he's laughing all the way to the bank i guess so uh, yeah yeah he got some big money on that well what was uh, i mean out of all of it what was your i mean of your time with him what what was the highlight for you was it uh, getting to play with waylon or uh was it you know that was definitely one of one of the highlights we got to play with a lot of different people that wanted to come out there and do one song. Yeah. But, uh, uh, we got to play a couple of presidential, uh, inauguration things. That was kind of cool. George W. Uh, yeah, that's an honor. Uh, going to Japan was a real, real treat. Uh, Hank Umiyama that had us over there, they call him Hank. He loves Hank Williams, you know. And mm. uh, he uh, 
treated us really, really, really good. Great guy. I'm friends with him on Facebook still, but I just can't see a bunch of Japanese people out there singing. Uh, you know, why do you drink? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, they were digging it, and and a lot of Americans, like, uh, uh, I guess, Americans that were living in Japan, a lot of uh, military guys were at the shows that that were familiar with Bosefus, you know, that were over in Japan. Yeah, that makes sense. But, uh, yeah, we did... uh, we did a week over there and did about five or six shows in five different places, you know. It was uh, that was fun. Getting to play on uh I well now I think it's over twenty albums. Few of them have come out since we've been gone, but um, Yeah, now that's another thing. what's the first album, first record you played on? of his in the last one um uh, let's see uh 85 would it have been man of steel no that was before i got there uh see right when i came he had the uh 5-0 album out Five O. that was uh yeah and uh ain't misbehaving was uh number one record yeah, when I the night I came, I mean my first show, it was it, it was uh, um, Outlaws Reward is a great song off that record too. I love yeah. that song. Yeah, that is a good one. He would throw them out there probably every once in a while, wouldn't he? Did Not, Tony Stampley write that? Hank wrote it. He did. Mm-hmm. Tony Stampley wrote the Nashville scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is a yeah, great song. Yeah, he wrote too. several of them. Him and Bobby Keel wrote uh, Whiskey on Ice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Me, yeah and, me and Tony wrote Everything's Changing But Me on my last record. Cool. Tony's a character boy. Give him my best if you see him. He came out and. Uh, uh, Hung out a few times. Great guy. Last time I talked to him, he had been out in California at Steven Seagal's house. I don't know why the hell he's out there. And then he's cutting a gospel record or something. <laughs> hell of a wow. songwriter. Hell of a singer, too. Yeah. Of course, his daddy's Joe Stampley. Right. Love Joe Stampley. Yeah, he was. he's a character. I, I think he did. He did. He die. Joe. Yeah. No, I don't think so. He's still alive. Okay. I met him one time with Tony. At, we, they met, he had to meet him up at the bank in Nashville. I was riding with him. He was writing. And uh, I met. Good. I was thinking Joe he there. might pass. Uh, yeah, he uh, he used to come sometimes, too. So the you did probably, you played on five, you played on Born the Boogie. Uh Maverick, Wild Streak, all that probably. Did you do that Tuesday's Gone, that piano 
stuff on it on Wild Street? No. No, we. I think we played on uh, another track that was on there. And pure, I, I'd have to look at the record to tell you, but and pure Hank. That uh, that was a good one. I love Angels Are Hard to Find. That's a great song. I like his first cut of that better, but that's a good one too. Uh, Lone Wolf. Every one of them up through there. I even liked Out of Left Field, even though it didn't do worth a damn because Curb, I don't think, promoted it. Or Warner Brothers or whoever is with at the time. Yeah, it was right there changing over. Might have even been Capricorn. He was on there for a minute. Well, that, that Percy Sledge cover on there, Out of Left Field, that he does, that's as good as you'll ever hear. If y'all ain't heard that, go look up Hank Jr. Out of Left Field. Yeah, that's uh, Spooner Oldham, Dan Penn wrote that, and uh, Barry Beckett produced it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, soul, the soulful side of Bo Cephas. He, 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 he loved that R&B stuff, man. He really did. And uh, Oh, yeah. Loved the blue stuff. Jimmy Reed, man, he loved Jimmy Reed. And John Lee Hooker. And he could do it, too. He can flat do it. I'd I'd love to hear him do just an acoustic blues record. Yeah, Lightning Hopkins, he loved all that that yeah. old school stuff a lot. You know, did y'all play on the Almera Club? No, no, we didn't do a play on that one. I think he had. Uh, I want to say Rick Vito played on that. Uh, I believe Reese Winans played keys on that. Uh, we we didn't play on that record. Oh, uh, what about uh, Hog Wild? We did. Uh, no, I ain't going peacefully. Da, 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 some of the da. ones that uh, have come out here, the last few were uh, the box set. We did two or three box sets where they used tracks from the live album. Yeah. We, that was the first album I did, Hank Live. Oh, that was a platinum one, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, that was a big they, seller. They had a bunch of, they recorded three or four shows, and they had enough to do another whole album. So they put on the, the first box set, I think, that was, it may have been a Capricorn, it was three CD box set. They had nine of those tracks on there. Yeah. Is that the Bocephus box? Uh, there was two or three different ones. Now, yeah. uh, one of them, I think the first one that came out, yeah, I believe it was the Bocephus box. It had two or three CDs in it. Three, yeah. It had... Uh, eight or nine or maybe even 10 tracks up in there somewhere yeah. that were not used on the original live record they, that they, they own the rights to, you know, or they acquired the rights yeah. to some unreleased stuff, you know, or put together. Yeah, that one. 
Yeah, they had a couple other ones, box sets that came out that were uh, at Curb put out. Yeah. And then they had a uh, – here recently they had like a Cracker Barrel thing mm. that, that came out that had uh, a couple of tracks on it. We didn't play on the whole thing, but it was like one or two songs that we were on. They just – they just, Several albums have just has just got us on one or two songs, you know. Yeah. But I mean, if you're on it, you're on it. Yeah. One song or all of them. Yeah. They just keep on cashing in on old Hank, don't they? Yeah, I can't blame them if I own the rights to a, yeah a record and to put it out and. It's going to make some money. He's got a lot of fans. You know, like he had the record at one time. He had, uh, I want to say, nine or 11 albums on the charts at one time selling him that were in the top 200. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. Nobody's ever done that. No, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, Uh, that means they're selling. If If you're, they're still up in the top 200 album on the Billboard album charts yeah they're selling enough and then all of a sudden next thing you know he's got 20 something gold records you know yeah just during the time we were there uh do you got a favorite record of his i i like my time so much and getting to play on them it's it's hard to yeah. Pick a favorite, but uh, I guess that live album would have to be yeah somewhere up at the top because we're on every track yeah, uh, and it's a little bit uh, come full circle when we cut that record. We were we they Barry Beckett produced it and they had live recording stuff set up on stage and in Memphis, Tennessee at the Coliseum that they don't use anymore. They, they closed it down, I think, but, yeah. uh, uh, my pal, Mark Muleman Massey that I've been playing with last 15 years, he was out in the crowd that night. Oh, he was still in high school. I think, <laughs> Or just got out. Uh, uh, he wasn't even playing blues yet, you know. But uh, let's see, it was '85. Yeah, he was about 17, 16. He was, I think, he was still in high school. Well, you know, it's. Uh, what, did any professional wrestlers come around? forgot to ask you that dusty yeah, Rhodes or rick yeah, flair randy, randy savage used to come uh uh oh man uh what's his name uh the son of a plumber dusty uh, Rhodes, american dream baby if you will <laughs> he came well we got tore up with him a couple of nights oh uh, i'm mad what about rick flair no never saw him or uh what about Gerald Briscoe? No, I don't. I don't recall him. 
Randy Macho Man Savage and Dusty Rhodes. Uh, How was Randy? He was pretty quiet. I thought he would be, you know, crazier. He he was, he didn't want to make no big scene, you know, because he was kind of laid back. We didn't really hang that much. We just kind of met him briefly as we're getting ready to start. Somehow a promoter had him back there. Uh, he was a Hank fan. Yeah, he was a Hank fan, and he had a, he had a couple of ladies with him. All kind of looked like uh, penthouse magazine uh, yeah. playmates or something. You know, was a was Hank a wrestling fan? I never heard him talk about it too much. I know he used to watch it some in Nashville when he was a kid back when, uh, that's when I watched it mainly when I grew up around outside of Nashville and in the mid sixties, uh, it was like Tojo Yamamoto. Yeah. Uh, Lynn Rossi, uh, Jackie Fargo. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Harley Race. I don't remember him. Oh, uh, Chief J. Strongbow. I remember that either. Maybe in different territory. Yeah, you know, they had territories back then. That certain certain ones that wrestled for different territories. Uh, Memphis had a big wrestling deal with uh, Jerry. Yeah, Jarrett. I lived there. Yeah. I was in Memphis 17 years, so I we got to hang with uh, Jerry Lawler quite a bit. Oh, yeah. The King. And some Jimmy Valiant. Yeah. Well, I didn't know Randy Savage was a Hank Jr. fan. That's news to a lot of people right there. I knew Dusty Rhodes was. Dusty Rhodes, he, was, he hung around Willie and everything. He'd get up and sing with him, you know. <laughs> show up at the picnic stuff like that it's ironic you know like you said about how he don't really drink that much he ain't don't really drink it much really because people think he just like you said i've heard that too you bring up hank jr to anybody my age or older oh man i seen him one night out in nashville and the he could, he was so drunk he couldn't even hardly and i know that ain't right because there's only it only happened about not even a handful of times didn't it yeah yeah it was just just a few times yeah um and i've heard people say it you know since i moved to mississippi in 98 I don't know how many people have told me, you know, every time he played Tupelo, he was smashed out of his mind. No, I don't (laughs) think he ever was. You was there. (laughs) He's supposed to be playing again in Tupelo. uh, Maybe September coming up. I've already had people. 
Hit you trying up. to get me to get them passes and stuff and autographs. I, well, hell, I mean, you don't even work. You ain't worked there in a long time. No, it's been 15 years. I mean, yeah, people are going to try. Well, I about, I about hanked you out enough, I think. <laughs> uh, well, I tell you, we had some fun. I, I, I appreciate Hank Jr. Yeah. Letting me stay there as long as I, he did, you know. I mean, we never had no problems ever. Uh, so I, I owe him a lot just for yeah. letting me raise my kids and yeah. getting all my daughter all the way through college for it kind of mm-hmm. fizzled out. So it's a big help to me for, for raising a family, you know, to, uh, has some good good dough coming in to make things work and oh yeah. Well, do you remember the last time you talked to Merle before he died, Kilgore? Uh, I'd have to think about that. I, right off top of my head, I can't remember the very last time. Uh. I think he died in 2003, I believe. Yeah, Waylon died in 2001, and I know Johnny Cash died in 2003, and I think Merle did too. Yeah, it was a couple of years before we left. And, you know, if Merle had been alive, he, he might have kept the old Bama band around, but uh, oh, I'm sure he didn't he have any. He didn't have anybody giving him good advice, and yeah. somebody said you got to get rid of them old timers and get some new, younger musicians. And at the time, it must have sounded good to him, but you know, there's a lot of material to know. Yeah, but uh, now nah, he's got some good players up there now. In fact, I'm getting ready to do a session in Nashville with uh, his steel player, Mike Daly. Yeah, he plays with Travis Tritt too, don't he? Yeah he he did for he did for several years. I don't think he does anymore, but he uh, Mike Daly still plays with uh, Hank. Yeah, and uh, gonna be doing a thing with Steve and Dylan Morgan up there in Nashville and uh, putting a record on Dylan. He's a young, kind of got a Trace Atkins thing with a Bo Cephas attitude. He, mm-hmm. he loves Hank, too, so we're going to be helping him. I wrote charts on it. I got a couple of guys from the Amazing Rhythm Aces, our drummer and guitar player, going to come. That would be fun for him. September 1st, we got that going. I'm glad you're still out there doing, working, and not only doing shows, doing studio stuff. I know you love doing studio work. Yeah, I sure had fun playing on your first record. Oh, that was a blast, man. Two days. That's studio. Just, yeah. Uh, Jeff Cook's place, fantastic, man. Sand in the walls. 
they poured sand in the walls and it's got them big rocks in there. But they, when he built that place, I think it, it was early eighties or mid eighties. Yeah. A lot of studios do that to deaden it good. I mean, it's dead. It's dead. Well, we recorded live. I mean, I was in a vocal booth back there with the door shut, but all y'all was just out in the room with the drums and the, amps and everything man but it was fun it was a lot of fun uh, yeah I, I don't remember you telling me or not but that may have been one of the few times you've been to Fort Payne y'all didn't ever do any June jams did you I don't ever know of Hank doing any I, I never did do one it was uh I'm thinking somebody told me he did one time, but I, it was before I got there. He might have. I've, I've never. I know Waylon did. Hell, they had Wayne Newton there one year. <laughs> uh, Dick Buckus, he used to come down and play in Randy Owens' golf tournament. That wow. Week. I mean, just uh, you st- people you wouldn't think, you know. You just never know. The world's collide and connect and the perks of the business is is you know you're here and you're there and you're here and there and you meet these people from this oh i know this guy you know it's cool to talk to him and then you some of them you strike up a a lifelong friendship with well i mean it's like me and you i you know i feel like we we've known each other forever but i grew up watching y'all i mean just you know everything i you know how big of a of a fan that i am i don't i don't act like it <laughs> most of the time but i i still am and uh so it's cool for me you know just to talk to you about this kind of stuff and i think a lot of people would they wanted to hear some of this stuff cuz like i said at first you don't really there ain't nobody there ain't nobody really much around that will uh share things that was there during that time i mean i know he had several kind of different crews and bands and you know wayne was with him longer than you was and you know stuff like that like cowboy was there before but then he left and there's all that, and and of course, J.R. Smith, his manager from when he was in Coleman, uh, and then Kilgore took over. Um, just kind of different configurations of of how the business ran, I guess. But it's just hard to hard to uh, get anybody to talk about them days, you know, because there's so much shit that probably went on. Everybody wants to be careful and needs to be. <laughs> yeah, we can't tell it all. Can't tell it all. No. That's good, though, because that leaves a lot to the imagination. And I'm sure in people's wildest imaginations, they they can put their imagination to use and dream up some stuff that probably ain't far from the truth. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's a good way of saying it. 
Well, Billy, I appreciate you doing it, man. Appreciate you coming back on here. I'm on. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah, man. And uh, appreciate y'all tuning in again to Picking It Out. We'll see you next time.